0: Faith community, thank you for joining me on another devotional as we read through the New Testament in a year. I hope that you're enjoying reading the Bible. I hope that you're getting addicted to it. That's the goal for this year at the end, that you will continue the the discipline that you've developed this year to read God's Word together. So, in our Bible reading today, we're in Romans chapter 8. And you're probably not supposed to have a favorite chapter in the Bible, but if you were allowed to, this would be it for me. Um, I love Romans chapter 8 because it encapsulates so much of what the Christian life is all about. I actually spent an entire year when I was directing junior high here, just teaching through the, the chapter of Romans 8. I took a year to go through this with the junior highers. There's a lot here. I'm not going to spend a whole year right now talking to you about it, but there's a lot of depth in Romans 8. And you really need to understand the flow of thought as we get into Romans chapter 8. It's coming right after Romans 6 and Romans 7. In Romans 6, we see this good news that I'm dead to sin, and I'm alive to Christ, and sin does not have dominion over me. In Romans 7, we see the struggle of if I try to serve God in my own flesh, in my own strength, by keeping the law. What we see in Romans 8 is the solution to Romans 7. Romans 7 presents this struggle. In Romans 8, we have the solution, and the solution is walk in the Spirit. Don't try in your own strength to obey God, to be righteous. Instead, depend upon his strength, depend upon his spirit to fulfill the law. Now, we can't do anything right in and of ourselves. We can only live righteously when we're walking in dependence on the holy spirit. That's really the message of Romans chapter 8. So let me read verse 1 to you. He says this, there is therefore now no condemnations for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So so he right from the very beginning he says, hey, there's no more con- condemnation. But who is it for? It's for people who are walking in the spirit. They're not walking in the flesh. But what does that mean? What does it mean to walk according to the Spirit. It's, it's actually pretty simple. It means I rely on God for my strength instead of myself. I'm relying on His resources instead of my resources. I'm depending upon Him for the desire instead of trying to find it in myself. We see what happens in Romans 7 when we try to do it on our own. We see what happens in Romans 8 when we walk in the Spirit. He transforms us from the inside out. In Romans 8, verse 5, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What does it mean to walk according to the Spirit? It means specifically that you're setting your mind on spiritual things. So walking in the Spirit has to do first and foremost with our mindset. What are you focused on? What are you thinking about? What are you meditating on throughout the day? Through what grid do you interpret the things that surround you? Is it through a spiritual grid? Are you thinking about things in terms terms of eternity? Are you always focused on temporal pleasure and satisfaction? If you're walking in the spirit, you're going to be focused on eternal things. You need to have a kingdom first mindset. Jesus says seek first the kingdom of God and you know what all of these practical things in this life they'll be added to you. This is the life that we're called to. And and I hope as as you hear about walking in spirit that you're desiring it, that you're wanting it. And one of the questions that that people come to at this point is they say, "Well, how do I get that? How do I get that that power of the spirit? How do I get the desire of the spirit within me?" Well, you get it by asking for it. Jesus says this in Luke eleven thirteen. 13, he says, he's speaking to fathers and he says, you fathers give good gifts to your children, even though you're evil. If they ask you for a fish, you're not going to give them a snake. And then he says this in verse 13, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you want the Holy Spirit? Ask Your heavenly Father wants to give you the Holy Spirit. If you're feeling like, maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit, maybe I don't have what I need, ask. It's his good pleasure to give you everything that you need for his kingdom, for life, and for godliness. Well, the next question that people often ask is, how do I know if I have the Spirit? How do I know if I have the Spirit living inside of me? And Paul says this in Romans 8, 14. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I see in in this passage here, in these three verses, I see three ministries of the Holy Spirit. The first thing it says is all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What's the Spirit doing in your life? He's leading you, He's guiding you when you have those moments when you're really convicted that you need to do something or not do something That's the Holy Spirit's ministry. That's a testimony to you that the Spirit is present with you. As he's guiding you in your decision-making process, that's a testimony to the reality of the Holy Spirit in your life. As he convicts you of sin, that's a testimony to the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life. But understand this, he's leading you. So it's not just that he's convicting you, but you're responding to it. You're listening to him. You're following after him. The second ministry we see here is that he's crying out, in our hearts. It says we didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out abba father. So it's by the holy spirit who right here is called the spirit of adoption that we cry out abba father. And what he's explaining here is that we have this holy affection for our heavenly father because the spirit's giving that to us. The spirit is giving us a love for God as our Father, That's one of the ways we know we have the Spirit is we grow in our affection for God as our Father and in our longing to be with His Son forever. The third ministry is in verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit is bearing witness witness. He's testifying to us. He's assuring us. He's comforting us. He's guiding along and reminding us, yeah, you really are a son of God. This is your identity. The Spirit is constantly reminding us of this. Now we have to be careful because we have an enemy. And what the enemy loves to do is he loves to twist God's words. And so while the Spirit reminds us of who we are, the devil wants us to believe that's who we can't be instead of who we should be. The reality is the Spirit leads us into the future. He leads us into what's in front of us, and he reminds us, this is what you want to do. This is how you should be living. The enemy reminds us of the past. He says, look at what you didn't do before. Look at how you failed. You're probably not a child. Listen to the Spirit. Be led by him into righteousness. And believe it when he says, this is really what you want. This is really how you want to live. Another testimony that we have of being believers. He says in Romans 8:17, "If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together." He says, "Here's how you know that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You suffer. Going through suffering with the Spirit is a testimony to the reality of our conversion." When you go through moments of trial that you would have not chosen for yourself and you are sustained, it's a testimony to you that there's a power higher than you living within you. That gives you assurance. Let the trials that you face assure your heart before God that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within you as the seal of salvation. The, this suffering that you're going to experience is so essential because suffering reminds us of where our eyes are supposed to be. Paul says this in Romans eight twenty. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. What it, why is it that I have to suffer? Why is it that I live in a fallen creation? Well, creation was subjected to futility, but why? In hope. You see, the reason that we suffer, the reason things fall apart, the reason that there's futility in our existence is to remind us this world is not the destination. This world is not the end. It's not about this world. It's, not, it's about the next. It's so important to remember that. It reminds us, the suffering that we go through reminds us the world is not to be my hope. And as I go through that, the Holy Spirit helps he helps me because I am weak. Paul says this in Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. For the Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit has a ministry inside of your heart. And he understands what you need when you need it, even when you don't realize it. Even when you can't comprehend what you need, he is praying for you. He is crying out to God so that you can have exactly what you need. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It says he searches your heart and he makes intercession. Verse 28 is probably the one that's most familiar to people. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. This doctrine that Paul is presenting here of predestination is a beautiful, assuring doctrine. And, and let it say, what it's saying in the text what is it saying in the text is saying that our predestination is meant to assure our hearts when we're suffering when we're going through that trial and think about what you think when you're going through the trial you wonder am i really chosen am i really a child of god would he really let me go through this If he loved me, if he cared about me, wouldn't he answer my prayer and take this away from me? And in those moments, you need to be assured he is conforming you to the image of his son. He has predestined you to that. He has chosen you. He is sovereign over you and you will be delivered. And so while deliverance doesn't come in the suffering in the way I would want it to, I can be assured because I've been predestined that God will conform me to the image of his Son, that I will ultimately be glorified with him forever. And Paul's conclusion is this beautiful response to everything he's just said. He says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justified. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 is meant to assure our hearts, and the enemy wants to attack. He wants to convince you you're not saved. This is a testimony to the reality of once saved, always saved. Nobody can take you away. Nobody can bring a charge against you. God is the one who's justified you. God didn't spare his own son. Be confident he's going to give you what you need today to make it through to tomorrow. In all these things, what does he say? We are more than conquerors. What does that mean? It means that we more than annihilate everything that stands against the kingdom of God. We are on the winning side. There's no way we can lose. That is good news. Thank you so much for listening to me today.